Hey guys, welcome back to the Teen Life Podcast, where we equip, encourage, and empower the helpers of teenagers. Hey, this is Chris Roby, my co-host Carly Duke. Hey guys. Thank you for joining us. This is the very last episode of our unexpected series. Right, man, has it been a ride. It really has. I hope if you haven't listened to the previous ones, please go back and listen. We've got great interviews all the way along, and we're ending strong today, too, with another great interview. Yeah, so today's interview is with Dana Gage. And Dana has been connected with Teen Life for quite a long time, but I got connected with her, unfortunately, through one of the biggest tragedies you you can face, and that's losing a child. Mm -hmm. About a month or so after I came on with Teen Life, Dana lost her son to a drowning, and it was a pretty well-known story around here and really shook our community for sure. And so to sit down with her several years after and for her to walk through the story obviously was a, a very difficult conversation, but she just showed a lot of courage as we walked through this story. Right, and you'll hear pieces of this. I've known the Gage family for a long time and we're close to them, and my parents were some of the first phone calls that they made, and I don't remember if I even mentioned this in the interview, but I'll never forget the day Connor died. It was on my birthday, Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget that day, but not in a bad way. I tell her it's such a sweet reminder of me to think of their family Mm -hmm. um, and to pray for their family, and Connor had a huge impact, not only while he was alive, but after Mm -hmm. he was gone, and I think you'll hear that his legacy is still being lived on. You'll hear Dana talk about the LV project that they started Mm -hmm. in Connor's name, and to bring awareness about drownings. And so this was a difficult mm-hmm. interview for me too, and it's emotional and rightly should be so. Mm-hmm. But we hope that you listen to this and hear pain and hope all at the same time and in the same conversation and in the same space. And you'll notice too in this interview, and, and Dana told us this before we even did the interview, that she's still in the thick of this. This is not something that has really gotten a lot better. And I can't imagine losing a child where... You just one day get up and move on and everything's just fine. Right. And so she's very candid in this interview, uh, very honest. And so I, first of all, just hope that you know how much we appreciate her walking through this and spending the time with us on this. But I really hope you get something out of this and are encouraged by her courage for sure. And you can share this podcast with someone who maybe is going through something similar. Right. Whether you know a teenager who has lost a sibling or a parent who's lost a child or even a teenager who's lost a friend, this is a great interview to listen to. And what do you say? What do you do? So Mm -hmm. tune in and listen to this great interview by Dana Gage. This is the university for us, for the student scholars, for the tenacious ones who seek to discover new depths in their field, for the pioneers in math, theology, nursing, and education. This is the university for those seeking truth in every discipline. This is the university for you. Lubbock Christian University. on the podcast or sitting in uh, your living room inside your beautiful house. Thank you for opening your home to us. You bet. Thanks so much for being with me today. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to we're going to walk through a a tragedy that happened to your family and uh, uh, happened to your son, Connor. And so I just want to start by asking, tell us a 
little bit about Connor before we kind of get into the story? Sure. Um, well, Connor was just ridiculously stupid funny. He was witty and fun and sarcastic and smart. Looked a lot like uh, Justin Bieber, which worked <laughs> in his <laughs> worked in his favor in a lot of ways. He had the um, hair. The hair. He sweet. had such great hair. In fact, two weeks before we lost him, he's like, "Mom, I have no idea what is going on with my hair, but it is awesome." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So he um, he was just a blast. He was. Uh, you know, he was a great brother. He and his, you know, the way I refer to Riley and Connor is they were brothers who were best friends. You know, mm-hmm. they, we just never had a problem with them. They were super simple, easy, fun. You know, they just got along in every possible way. You know, at the same time, Connor was a normal 15-year-old. He was figuring things out. And, you know... <laughs> It's odd how life unfolds, but, you know, just about the time we lost him, I felt like he had just started, like, his first mile of a thousand-mile journey. Mm -hmm. He was just, he had just sort of, like, sorted through all the awkward, yucky, early teenage years and all the confusion that comes with that and kind of figured out his arrow, and he was following it. Um, So he was just a blast, um... Super fun, super easy, big smiler, big runner, mm-hmm. um, just enjoyed life and friends and um, just the most normal 15-year-old boy you'd ever see. Mm-hmm. So if you would, uh, take us through uh, what happened and, you know, just what you can tell us. Sure. So um, it was the first day of Labor Day weekend in 2012, and um, Connor had gotten a last-minute invitation to a birthday party out at Possum Kingdom Lake that day. And we're lake people. We grew up on the lake. Um, um, I'm a farm girl, and we bought a lake house early on because I couldn't stand the fact that my boys were city boys. I needed them to get (laughs) some dirt between their toes. So we had a lake house all the way through Connor's early years. Um, And uh, he was incredibly comfortable with open water. He was a you know, Coast Guard certified. He was a wakeboarder, a swimmer, an excellent athlete. And like I said, he had grown up on the lake, and he got an invitation to uh, a lake birthday party that day. And this was a family we knew and went to church with and school with. And it wasn't normally our practice to let Connor go to the lake with another family. In fact, this was the first and only time that we had allowed Connor to go. And... um But we said yes because he really wanted to go. And so they arrived at the lake rather late in the day. Um, But you get five boys out by a body of water. And, you know, it's a pretty day and they want to swim. And so the host family gave them permission to swim. And around 8.15, the night of August 31st, 2012, Connor did a jump from the top of the boat dock which frankly was not at all unusual for him. I know what he was thinking. He had done that like a thousand times at our lake house. Mm -hmm. Um, And he jumped from the top of the boat dock and he landed badly. And he didn't resurface. And at first his friends kind of thought, okay, well, he's, you know, it's Connor. He's joking around. But they quickly figured out 
he was gone. And um, the difference between this time and all the times before is that Connor was not wearing a life jacket that day. And 40 minutes later, a dive team was called and retrieved my son from 20 feet down. And he could not be resuscitated. And, you know, that's the day we, you know, that's the day our life changed forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, uh, it's a strange thing that happens when you drive out two hours to a West Texas hospital and I can replay every second literally every second of that night in my head um, and arriving in the ER seeing all the people there screaming where is my son where is my son where is my son at that point I had no idea if he was alive or dead in fact we didn't get a phone call until 9 15 one full hour after he had gone in the water that something had gone wrong and um it never occurred to me, truthfully, as a parent, it never occurs to you that your child could actually be dead. And I mean that sincerely. Even on the trip out there, I'm like, I remember calling Chris Hatchett, who is a dear friend of ours, saying, just please pray. I don't know what's going on, but something's gone wrong, and I don't know what it is. Just please pray. And, you know, my, we arrive, and no one wants to tell us what's happened. No one wants to tell us. And I'm screaming at the somebody, the guy in the in the waiting room, where's my son? Where's my son? Where's my son? And then I remember my husband saying one simple question, and I will never forget this question. And he said, did he make it? And I remember thinking, what? Why are you even asking that question? Did he make it? And the guy, after us probably freaking him out in the ER, he said one simple word, no. Mm-hmm. And everything just went dark from there, and we've been rebuilding ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that's what happened. Our son went to a birthday party at the lake, and he drowned. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything got completely reorganized in our life after that. Now, Dana, we get questions about this all the time and um, loss, and especially in something that happened to you all that was so sudden and unexpected, and as you're talking about, you never even saw that coming. Um, But what was said or done after that, after Connor's death, that was hurtful to you, to your family, that maybe even was Mm well-intended? People weren't trying to be hurtful, but what was said or done? Oh, that's such a hard question. (laughs) Because, frankly, to be fair to the question, Carly, like, everything hurt. Mm. You know, so I think that's something for people to keep in mind that, you know, there's no right way to do a wrong thing. Mm. And when a 15-year-old dies in a way that was 100% preventable, it's wrong, it just feels wrong on every level. So everything hurt. Um, 
And, you know, I guess specifically some of the things that did not work at all were people that just needed to make sense of it. People need a formula. Mm. You know, like, why did he die? Well, he was being reckless or he was, um, you know, fill in the blank. He was, um, I don't know. I can't think of anything specific. But people need a formula. Like, why? Oh, I know one of the things. People like, what happened to him? Did he have a heart condition? Did he, you know, like, did he hit his head? Did he, you know, that was something that really hurt when people would say, well, what happened? Well, what happened? is my kid jumped in the water and he died. Mm-hmm. End of story. So I would get very upset when people would say what happened. But I realized, it took me a few years, but I realized that people need a reason. And sometimes there's no reason. Mm-hmm. Sometimes bad things just happen for no reason, so for no obvious reason. And for the record, nothing was wrong with Connor. He didn't hit his head. He didn't have a medical condition. He simply landed badly. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a life jacket on. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. End of story. So people that wanted to figure out the reason, were t- that was tough for me. Right. Um, people who wanted to fix it, you know, you know, A plus B equals C, 1 plus 2 equals 3. People who said, oh, okay, well, he died young, but there must be a reason, and therefore here's all the good that will come from it. No. Heaven did not gain another angel. You know, Connor is not an angel. He's a he's with Jesus, but he's not an angel. Um, so that that terminology was just drove me insane. Um, um, people who you know would offer platitudes or you know um, just figure out God's purpose in your pain early on. Are you kidding? Like I am one raw nerve turned inside out. If you even breathe, I can't function. Don't try to give me any logic on why this would happen. You may need that, but as a mother, I can't handle it. Because, mm-hmm. there again, no right way to do a wrong thing. You know, Connor is gone. There's a hole in my heart that can never be replaced. So, um, you know, people that needed a reason, people that tried to fix it, I think, um, you know, it's a strange thing that happens, but... The way Connor died, the people that actually validated the gap were helpful to me. You know, people that said, where was his life jacket? I was like, I know. Why didn't I think to ask? Mm. Why didn't I ask? You know, where was it? Like, where was the seatbelt? Where was the seatbelt in the lake? Like, those people who actually acknowledged the, the raw truth were helpful to me. The people who didn't, the people that just said, you know, we want to make it right, no matter what it is, were, were just did not help at all. Um, so I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, but some of the hurtful things were people who tried to fix it, people who tried to make sense of it, and people who judged us for how we felt which was very angry mm-hmm. well you you kind of hit on a little bit of s- some of the good things that were people able to do about mining those gaps what are some other things that people did during this time that you look back and they're like i'm so thankful that they did that or even if they even if they didn't say anything what was it 
You know, there's a saying that I read um, after I lost Connor, because I think I read every grief book imaginable. And there's a saying that says, friends become strangers and strangers become friends. Hmm. And what I learned, and I, I now, I'm six years in, so I have the benefit of time and processing, and I, I get it now because I think I was this person before I lost a child. But the people who were able to stick with us in our pain and be uncomfortable with the discomfort really helped. You know, the people that would just sit there on our grief bench. I had a couple of friends who did nothing but seriously, like, listen to me say the same story over and over and over and over. I had a couple of friends who just, they did nothing but listen. They didn't offer ways to fix it. They didn't offer ways to make it better. They just were like, yeah, this thoroughly stinks. Like, I am so sorry. So people who are willing to just sit with you on your grief bench with, and who frankly resist the temptation to fix it, because that's a hard thing for us, right? right. When somebody we love is hurting, we want to make it better. We want to say, okay, here's, but here's the thing, you know, God lost his son too. Well, that doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people who just listen and just say, I'm so sorry, really? <laughs> it sounds very simple, but that really helped. And then I had this one friend who I did not know well at all before we lost Connor. I swear to goodness, this woman, um, like, I'm indebted to her forever. Mm-hmm. Because what she did every single month for 12 months after we lost Connor, she would look at the month. She would look at the calendar. You know, Connor was a freshman in high school when we lost him. And she would look at all the things that were coming up like whether it was Mother's Day, whether it was a particular school thing. She knew he was involved in cross-country. She knew, you know, she knew when it was his birthday, when it was um, whatever. And she would send us flowers mm. once a month. With, but the flowers were secondary. What mattered most to me were her notes that said, I know you're going to be going through this this month, and I'm so sorry. And she simply acknowledged the pain and she didn't try to fix the pain she simply acknowledged it and that helped beyond measure she still does it Hmm. not every month but on the big things like connor you know would be in college now she just sent me on his birthday she just sent me a note and said this gotta be so weird for you Hmm. yeah it is where would he be where would he be going to school so just acknowledging the things that are normal Mm -hmm. um really, really, really helped. Right. Now, something that I'm curious about, because we talked about, I'll never forget that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And me being, I was in college at the time, but had close connections to so many of Connor's friends and loved ones and um, people he went to school with and church with. And um, thinking about Connor's friends who were teenagers at the time too and social media was huge I mean this trended on Twitter yeah and um, was everywhere and people were finding out on social media how do you think social media played an impact whether good or bad 
in that situation. Oh, gosh. It, that was a crazy thing, honestly. Because, you know, I think it was both good and bad. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, in a very selfish way, from a mother's point of view, you know, like Connor's, it helped me to see that Connor was trending on Twitter. I know that sounds gross, but like it, people were, something about shared shock, I guess, was like, oh my gosh, this can't be, this can't be real. Because that's how I felt over and over and over. It's frankly how I still feel. This can't be real. I think that's what was getting expressed on social media. And that was very, very helpful. Um, So I think it was good from the standpoint that these kids who lost their friend, who my heart breaks for them because they should not have to experience this reality this soon. And yet they did. And so they were sharing their sorrow in something that was very familiar to them, which was social. And they were, you know, comforting one another through social. So that was a very good thing. I think the a strange thing happens when you lose someone you love and you're a child or you're a kid. Um, what I didn't like is a strange, weird and this is going to sound strange, but a a competition almost Mm. like it almost felt in a way as the, as the days and weeks moved on, like it felt like people were saying, well, I was close to Connor. No, I was close to Connor. No, I was close to Connor and I was closest to Connor. And you know, it's just like, you can think about your friend set right now. Everybody fills a different role in your life. You know, like you've got friends who are maternal. You have friends who are just your buddies. You have friends who are, your mama buddies, you have friends who, um, you know, are your workout buddies, you know, everybody fills a different role. But I think at 15 years old, that friend, that friend dynamic, you know, the maturity sometimes is not in place yet. Mm -hmm. So it literally becomes a who's on top sort of situation. And I did not like how, um, there was some, uh, competition, Right. for who was closest to Connor. And um and I think, you know, my my son's friends are brilliant, smart, beautiful people and I think they have it figured out now. But I think at the time it was really hard for them to sort through it all. Mm-hmm. Um really really hard. Well, uh you spoke about Riley a little while ago, his brother and they were best friends and um I I've got I've got two young boys who are best friends, so that one isn't easy to hear about. Um, but talk a little bit about how you how you guys were able to support Riley as he grieved the loss of his brother. <laughs> you know, I saw this question from y'all, and I honestly like laughed out loud because, um, and I I say that not flippantly, but the truth is, like we could not breathe, and I mean it. Like, we couldn't function. And my hat's off to the parents who can do this, 
who've suffered a loss like this and can actually go, okay, we're just going to soldier on. We were not those people. Like I was the woman, literally, you see the circle in my living room? That was me walking around in a circle going, oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord. I'm not kidding. Like my kid, my Riley, went from seeing a woman who was in a business suit, jumping on airplanes, negotiating multimillion dollar agreements, to seeing me literally the equivalent of rocking in the fetal position in our home. Mm -hmm. His life turned upside down on a dime. And he didn't just lose Connor. He lost me and Brett, too. And um, I give my husband a lot of credit. He was more level through it all. I, on the other hand, was just 100% gone. I was in the bed for about six months. Mm -hmm. And um, so when you say, what did we do to support him? (laughs) I just praise God that 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 kid, um, my Riley, He's the most buoyant kid I know. And um, he just kept going. And we do know that um, our, uh, the way we grieve is different than the way he grieves, you know. And I think when he becomes a parent, he'll understand what he saw in us more. But that being said, he never one time said, what about me? Hmm. And, uh, you know, so how we supported him is we showed up when we could. Um, he went from seeing us happy and active in the stands at Fort Worth Christian, <laughs> you know, interacting with all the other parents to standing alone on the sidelines because we couldn't handle normal anymore, but we wanted to be there for him. Um, we said yes to him as much as we could. Whatever he needed, we just said yes because, frankly, we didn't have the energy to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and he was being sensible. He was not being a, a stupid, you know, play the grief card kid. He mm-hmm. was not going off the rails. He was doing the right thing. So one of the ways that we said yes was in the form of a Korean foreign exchange student who came to live with us in Riley's junior year, and his name is Juwoo Kang. And I always say Juwoo is, um, you know, Jesus Christ came in the form of a Korean foreign exchange student <laughs> because um, that kid uh, was a year ahead of Riley in school. And, like, I think deep calls to deep. Mm. And that kid had been thrown into America without knowing a word of English. He's suddenly at Fort Worth Christian He is trying to learn from teachers he doesn't understand. He's trying not to disappoint his parents in Seoul, Korea. And he plays soccer with Riley. And Riley's like, I want to bring G to live with us. And we're like, whatever. You know, our lives are completely (laughs) blown up anyway. Bring him. That sweet kid comes into our home. And, you know, our upstairs have been filled with nothing but noise and laughter and video games and boys every weekend our it was a non-stop party up there and so g came and sweet g lord never interview him or he's going to tell you a thing or two about how cray it was at the gauge house but <laughs> he he just he filled a gap for us and that's one of the ways that we supported riley 
um, and it ended up supporting us. Mm. And, um, and then the other thing is, is I would just say there's no formula for how you handle grief. Everybody grieves so differently. And, you know, our first thought was, oh, my gosh, Riley just lost his best friend, his brother. We got to get him into counseling. We got to get him into therapy. And we tried. We actually sat outside in the car, all three of us, at the therapist's office for the appointment that mother had made, me, you know, to get him that, quote, unquote, help he needed. He didn't need that. Mm. He wouldn't go in. Mm -hmm. And we didn't make him. And, um, you know, I would just say, let the kids do what they need to do on their terms. Um, as long as they're not being destructive or crazy, you know, and Riley has moved forward in the way he knows how, and we gave him the space he needed mm -hmm. to do that. Mm. I love that. I think that's wise to follow their lead, too, because you're right, everyone grieves differently. And kind of going off of that, too, um, and I know this is a hard question. I know it as I ask it, but what was the hardest part or one of the hardest things of losing Connor? Um, it's all hard. Hmm. Um, there's not one thing, and I mean that sincerely. I, I think I've journaled this, like... Um, Grief, when you lose a child, it's so unnatural that it literally penetrates every nook and cranny of your life. Like there's, there's no single thing that stands out to me. Um, I will say that there are some specific, you know, tent poles that come into my mind. And it's all very normal, everyday things. You know, going to church is still really, really hard. Seeing all those happy families intact. Mm -hmm. And I am sitting there without my happy family. That was ridiculously difficult. Going to the grocery store, unbelievable. Because all you do is walk by all the things that he loved, and you can't buy them. And... um. You know, there's a saying that I read, and it said, when you lose a child, you know, you, everyone else lives on um, planet Earth, but you live on planet my baby died. And that is 100% truth. Like, you are alone, no matter where you are. And... It takes a long time to learn how to breathe the air again and get your bearings and understand how you can move forward. Um, so the hardest thing for me was just figuring that out. And what helped me the most was seeing other women who were on this path mm. and um, who showed me how to breathe and who gave me a path to follow. And um, how did you find those women? <laughs> well, I 
sought them out. So one of the funniest stories I have about my grief journey is I used to volunteer at the bookstore at our church Mm -hmm. and I sold all these books. And one of the books was called Jansen's Gift. And it's like, okay, this is a cool, this chick is so cool. This chick who wrote this book, I really like her. She's done a lot of good things. And of course my bubble is firmly intact at that point. And I came home and I started reading that book before this is before I lost Connor. And I was, I started like getting, get into the first page and it's like, Oh, heck no. This woman lost her son. I'm not reading this book. I took the jacket off of that book Mm -hmm. because it didn't match my decor and it would look better without the jacket on my bookshelf. And I just stuck it up there because I'd paid money for the book. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to waste my money. (laughs) So I lose Connor. Right. And a friend um, said, have you read Jansen's Gift? And, it, and, you know, like somewhere in the far recesses of my head, I'm like, oh, Jansen's Gift. And um, I pull that book off the shelf, and it's by Pam Cope. And Pam Cope lost her 15-year-old son who just literally died suddenly of an undetected heart ailment. And this chick is like me. She is angry. Every nerve is on the outside of her body. She does not get it. She is not, she does not understand how God could allow this to happen. And she spoke my grief language. Mm -hmm. And so to answer, that's a long way of answering your question, but I called her and I'm like, um, you don't know me, but I just lost my kid and you're the only book I've read that I can actually identify with. Mm -hmm. And um, the books that I read that said, won't you find God's purpose in your pain? I literally took a a flame to them. I, I was like, no, I will not find God's purpose in my pain because why on earth would this happen to a normal, good, loving family? Mm-hmm. And then when I read Pam's book, it was like, oh yeah, I was, I was angry too. And he uses that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not afraid of that. Right. And that was the first time I actually got permission And so Pam, as it turns out, is a PVC pipe of grieving mothers. And so through her, I met like, you know, Nan Deal and Mona Logan, who lost her son six weeks after mine. And now I'm part of this army of women who have all lost children. And we're strong. And we're standing. And we're moving forward. And um, it just takes one connection a lot of times to connect with multiple points. Right. That's incredible. So you you kind of been moving this way through the conversation anyways, but you know, what what has changed for you? What's moving forward, good or bad or both? Um, what we see what's the biggest thing? Um, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. I was a corporate businesswoman and I'm not a corporate businesswoman anymore. I'm leading a nonprofit that is dedicated to buoyancy that prevents drownings in the summer months and does, you know, goodwill projects that give people a lift in life the rest of the time. Um, That's very different. Um, I, um, I do feel like that um, I cling to the fact that he does use everything for, for good even the most terrible of things. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm 100% a different person. Um, when I lost Connor, I didn't 
know who I was when I looked in the mirror anymore. And I wrote that to Pam. I said, I look in the mirror and I have no idea who I am. And she responded and said, you don't know who you are now because you're going through the fiery furnace. You are going through the refiner's fire. But one day you will look in the mirror and you will like who you see better, I promise. And that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Now, would I rather have my son back? Absolutely. But grief cuts through all the clutter. And I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. I am fearless because I've already had my worst day. I'm discerning. I don't waste time with things that don't bear my attention. And the things that matter matter a lot more. And the things that don't, I don't waste my time with it. So those are the ways that I've changed for the better. You know, and I, um, like I said, I would rather have him back. But I'm grateful for what has been distilled through this pain. And uh, that's a woman who um, sees things clearly, Hmm. sees where her strength comes from. And it's not from me. And before I lost Connor, I thought it was me. Hmm. And now when I, you know, when you get broken and you're down in the deep pit and you have nowhere to turn and you're suffocating in that tiny little crevice of a dark space, and you have nowhere to look but up, you see him. And he's there every single time. Now, you mentioned your nonprofit, the LV Project. So before we leave, I don't want to let you leave without giving us an opportunity of where can people find that? Yeah. Um, How are you honoring Connor through the LV Project? Um, Thank you so much for asking because the LV Project is obviously near and dear to our heart. And... We call it the LV Project, and it stands for Live and Love, uh, mostly. But it also stands for Life Vest because we want people to be smarter about um, how they handle kids in open water. Mm-hmm. So they can find us uh, at the LVProject.org, or we're on all the social media platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But I think um, just in terms of... a you know, in a practical point of view, I would I would just encourage people to learn about water safety. Mm-hmm. And water safety doesn't end when your kids know how to swim. You know, just because your kid knows how to swim does not make them drown-proof. And, in fact, the chances of drowning in open water triple at age 15. Wow. And the rates actually remain elevated all the way through adulthood and no one knows that. You know, when we have our babies, you, you know, you go home with poison control information. You know how to lock them in a car seat. You, you understand all those things, but you don't understand how dangerous lake water or open water is. So natural water drownings, actually, it's the inverse of pools. Chances of drowning in a pool are greater at the younger ages it, when they're, you know, younger. They're... In, a, in natural water, it's, it's, exact, it's the opposite. Mm. So it's at 15 and above. So we want people to know about that. And then just for our buoyancy work, the things that actually feeds our soul, um, saving lives is important to us, but really mattering to lives is even more important. Mm. So um, we do a lot of buoyancy work that helps people um, you know, live better lives. And so 
you can find out about us at lvproject.org. So as we wrap up, thank you, by the way, for yeah. all you've shared. This thank is, you. Yeah, this has been incredible. Um, and these are hard questions to, to end off with, but we just kind of wanted to distill some of this for, for our listeners. Um, first question is, what would you say to someone who has just lost a child? What would I say to someone who just lost a child? Well, I would say hold on. Don't be afraid to do whatever it is you need to do. Everyone grieves so differently. You know, my path was anger, a lot of anger. And I felt judged because of that anger. You know, what you feel is not wrong. How you choose to use it is what's right. Mm -hmm. And um, so whatever it is you feel is not wrong. So, um, you know, I, I read something by Jerry Sitzer who said that anger is just like a natural response. You know, you've been robbed. You know, grief came into our lives and you're, anybody who has lost a child, their whole puzzle just got blown to smithereens. And death does that. It takes everything and blows it up. And so just allow yourself the time to be disoriented. And... Um, Sit with it. Don't worry about what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong. Just be true to yourself and keep keep pushing. And you will you will find your your way. And he's faithful mm-hmm. always. Now, a lot of our listeners might not have lost a loved one, but maybe they're working or helping or living with a teenager who did lose a loved one. So what advice would you give to an adult who's walking through that life yeah. stage with a teenager? Yeah. You know what? Here's what I would say. Um, doing something is better than doing nothing, even if it's the wrong thing. So don't be afraid. You know, like if you're helping someone who's grieving and you feel called to do something, do something. Don't don't let it sit in your heart and not act on it because that's the Lord placing it there and it's for a reason. And I think a lot of times when you're helping someone with someone who's had such a profound loss, you're afraid of saying something wrong or doing something wrong that's going to make it worse. Let me tell you something. It won't make it worse. It's already as bad as it can get. So do something. And even if you think it's the wrong thing, Mm. um, don't be afraid of that. And, you know, I think that the the challenge, I have a lot of people who, you know, when they – when they see me, they cry, and then they apologize for crying. I'm like, do not apologize. <laughs> Your tears are my life. You know, suffering is a part of life. And the fact that you're acknowledging my suffering really helps. You think it's making me sadder? I couldn't possibly be any sadder. Um, please. Let me see your tears. Thank you for your tears. So just don't be afraid. 
Um, and then the other thing I would say as a follow-up to that is even if you do something, expect nothing. <laughs> because we are broken. You know, we are amputees. We have invisible wounds. And you wouldn't go to an amputee and say, hey, here's a cup of water. Now, where's my thank you note? You know, um, and where's my acknowledgement? No, you would, you know, you would bandage the wound and you would not expect a blessed thing, but our wounds are invisible. And sometimes I think people worry when they don't hear from us or they don't get an acknowledgement that maybe they hurt our feelings or they made it worse. No, we are just so broken. We're bleeding out. And um, so do something, but expect nothing, even a return text, even a return call, even a thank you note. Even, just, just know that you're trying really, really, really matters, mm. really matters. And we don't forget it. We may not acknowledge it, but we don't forget it. And we are ridiculously grateful for it. Danny, thank you so much. This yeah. Is, this has been incredible. I think mm -hmm. this is hugely helpful for a lot of people. So thank well, you. thank you guys for doing hard things. This is not an easy thing to talk about. And I really, uh, truly admire what you guys are trying to do. You know, grief in this country is not done well. Mm -hmm. We do not do it well in America. We applaud the get back on the horse thing and like just jump right back into life thing. Well, the truth is we're never the same. And I think conversations like these help kind of bring the reality into focus. And I really admire the, the tough discussions. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're still standing. We're still here. Mm -hmm. And we're still part of the ecosystem. And everybody's going to suffer. Mm -hmm. So suffering has to have meaning. Mm -hmm. without meaning it's just despair and ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> so um, thank you guys for what you do thanks Pam hey guys it's Carly Duke again and I just wanted to come and wrap up not only this episode but also this whole series that we've been doing on the unexpected Dana gave us a great look into just the raw grief of losing a child. But there are several things that she said that I thought were great takeaways for someone who hasn't gone through this, but to help me better encourage and better support people who are going through loss. One of the things that she said at the beginning was the people that were hurtful, even if they weren't intending to be, were the people who wanted to make sense of Connor's death or who wanted to fix it. And really, in my mind, we try to fix it. We try to say the right things. And what she said was just say, I'm sorry. It's simple. You need to be able just to sit and stick around when it's uncomfortable, to listen, um, and to not try to fix it, to not try to make sense of it or question it with them, but just to hug them and love on them and say, I'm sorry. And that's something that seems simple, but take it from Dana, take it from all the other people that we've talked to during this series about that that is so powerful, the power of staying, the power of sticking in it with them when it gets hard. And so we just want to thank Dana. We want to thank you for sticking around for this series. And we have a new series coming up here pretty soon. So we're going to be starting a series covering 13 Reasons Why, the Netflix series. So this is one that even if you haven't watched the show, you've probably heard teenagers talk about it. You've probably seen it in the media. And so you want to stick around 
for our next series. We're going to do several episodes. We're going to kind of take a deep dive into the topics that this covers. And not only the topics, but what can you do about it? What conversations do you need to have with teenagers? What impact does this make on our culture? So be looking for those. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss those episodes. And as always, we are going to have all the resources that Dana listed. So Jansen's Gift, The LV Project, these will all be on our podcast site. So go to teenlifepodcast.com. For more information, to find out where you can subscribe, to see all the other episodes from this series, I promise you do not want to miss a single one. So thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.